Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Mark Probst, Chief Information Officer of LK, about health IT trends and how COVID-19 is spurring innovation. And now, on to the program. Hi, this is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. I'm joined today by Mark Probst. He's the uh, CIO of LK. How you doing, Mark? I'm well. Thank you very much, Jay. Nice to talk to you. Good to talk to you, and I understand this is a new uh, new position for you. Uh, wonder if you could tell tell me a little bit about um, you know what you're doing and what LK does. Yeah, so LK is very well. LK has been involved for many years in healthcare and data. Primarily, you know, the tagline for LK is data plumbers, um, and really working on things like integration or conversion of data into le- legacy systems into archives. But they've also branched out into some pretty innovative areas that surround data. Um, And in the health plan space, uh, they're in the provider healthcare space and uh, very much in the lab um, IT data space as well. So pretty pretty exciting company. I I actually was a client of theirs when I was the CIO at Intermountain Healthcare. That's where I got to to meet these people. This, This, I mean, amazing team actually. And so when I decided it was time to retire, um, talked to, uh, to LK and uh, kind of, you know, made a, a relationship there. And something that I could do would be to help them in this space of uh, innovation and technology and growth, the things that LK is trying to do. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. And I kind of like having the CIO title, but not having 1,100 people that report to me. So <laughs> Change and a, and a nice difference. Yeah, yeah, it takes a little pressure off, I guess. A little bit. <laughs> um, so I guess you know we talked today a little bit about um, you know sort of some trends in uh, in IT innovation. Um, and I want to know you know given what we've just gone through or what we're going through with COVID nineteen, um, you know what are you seeing in, in IT innovation that uh, has you excited? Well. I don't, I mean, there are new things and it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day about this, or maybe I was teaching a course, but in, and um, in healthcare, what's happened with COVID obviously is what's happening to a lot of businesses. We sent everybody home. We had to find new ways of connecting with our patients or our members or whatever we were dealing with, but they weren't actually brand new innovations they were really just putting those innovations on steroids and getting us moving quicker and removing some of the barriers that may have held back healthcare organizations to really fully getting the benefit out of things like telehealth, um, things like advanced text capabilities where, you know, you can, you really can communicate with your patients or members of their families or whomever. Um, through these technologies, and we immediately got forced to do that, and so adoption went way up. Some of the innovation that's happening is around how do we how do we integrate those different solutions so that they become a little more um, seamless, a little more friendly to, uh, to to the to our users. So, but I, again, I would say much of the innovation has been just taking. What was already in the in the pipeline and and moving it forward. Now there's cool things like contact tracing and you know really using some functions that would better identify an individual who that individual has been talking to or been around in case you know to look at the spread of COVID. I think those are cool. 
I think we're seeing more advanced um, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities, uh, but and they're innovative, right? I mean, the algorithms are clearly innovative. The concepts of AI, the concepts of machine learning, those aren't, again, really all that new, but we're, we're finding new creative ways to use those technologies. So, uh, I don't know. That, those are some of the things that come to mind around innovation. Yeah, I mean, certainly telehealth, you know, like you said, it's nothing new, but, you know, I think we were forced to <laughs> really use it uh, just because people couldn't couldn't leave their homes necessarily, and you didn't really want them coming to the hospital, so um, or the doctor's office. So yeah, I mean, it's sort of a forced, uh, you know, forced implementation. But I mean, it, it's how did you see it kind of uh, working out? Did you feel like it worked pretty well uh, for the most part, or obviously, you know, maybe there's there's more work to be done to improve it? But both. So it's worked out very well. I mean. So telehealth and then just like telecommuting, right? Just all the meetings we've had because we had to send our non-clinical staff home as well. But because it has, so it's worked. And I think a lot of, you know, we're doing a podcast over uh, over a technology that allows meetings to occur. Um, so we know that a lot of these newer kind of ways of interacting with people are working and are good and, and we're learning how to do it better. And I just... You remember early on in COVID, I mean, getting on a, on a meeting like this could be pretty clunky, <clears throat> difficult, but now, you know, it's almost just second nature to us. So that's going to pay off really, really well. And the same thing with telehealth. Now, we did create a challenge, I think, that we're going to have to work ourselves out of as an industry, um, probably already started, but you know, starting now for sure. And that's what we what we did is we grabbed all different kinds of technologies. And I, when we got on the phone and you were trying to get a hold of me, you know, I was trying to figure out how to unmute this particular <laughs> technology because we have so many. Yeah. And everyone did that. And that won't be sustainable. We're going to need to get to standard, you know, technologies and platforms. Um, we're going to need to further integrate, um, you know, across those technologies, you know, linking text and video and voice and again making that kind of a seamless um elegant kind of exercise versus the the clunkiness that we're in but man what a great problem to realize we can use this stuff to realize the benefits of it now we can put some energy into okay let's make it a little better experience um and i you know with all this technology and all this increased use of um you know different kinds of technology uh, are there concerns uh, from an infrastructure standpoint for, you know, healthcare systems and hospitals where, you know, are they getting, you know, because obviously if, you know, if your if your Wi-Fi craps out or, you know, you have just too many people using, you know, these services, like, you know, are, are we going to see some problems with infrastructure because of all this? Yeah, I, I think mostly where we'll see the issues with infrastructure on are on things we don't necessarily control. So if we had a bad experience right now, it would either be your or my wireless system in our homes or yeah. you know, the the internet provider that we have and and the quality of that. And that's going to be really difficult to to get our arms around how we can make that, uh, you know, firm that up. There's also security issues that surround it. But I, I think the pipes within most healthcare organizations are pretty good sized pipes. And so I'm not super worried about bandwidth. 
uh, maybe ports. You know, I'm not going to go real technical on you here, but mm-hmm. you know, there are there are things to be concerned about. But I'm also believing most of those have already been tackled, or we wouldn't be where we are today. So security will be an issue. Um, that came up early on, and some of the the telehealth technologies and were they truly secure? We are right. talking to patients, we're talking about their healthcare. Um, that started to get tightened up. But if we keep this hybrid environment with lots and lots of different types of solutions, it's going to make things like security increasingly difficult. And so, yeah, I think we got to look at how we get to more, like I said, more standard platforms that allow us to focus on some of those things like the infrastructure, like the security that surrounds it and privacy. Um, and, and then, yeah, those would be some thoughts. Um, and you mentioned earlier uh, contract con- contact tracing. Um, and how, how has that been working out so far? I know it's sort of in, in its initial stages in a lot of areas, but um, how, is it, how is it working out and how can we do it better? You know, right now um, it, it is just, it's early, right? I mean, it's almost in its infancy. Um, not as a concept, but in what we're doing. And and I would classify a lot of what's going on today as analytics versus technologies that support contract trace, contact tracing. So you did too. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm blaming you. Yeah, but, it's my uh, fault. I did do it. Um, and just kind of seeing organizations that are coming up with more solutions like you know um using rfid or using uh bluetooth and and capturing you know kind of the surroundings of an individual using their phones and that type of thing obviously quickly you get into the big brother privacy issues that are out there so we have a long ways to go if we really want to automate that whole contact tracing um process but the algorithms are being built and you know, the kinds of data that would be required to track and follow to have effective contact tracing is is being put in place. And I, I, I bet over the next six to eight months, we learn some really interesting things and we start to see some interesting tools that will support uh, understanding where that where the virus is, where that virus is being spread and how we you know can lock things down so that it isn't so uh, damaging. And is there like a you know, you were speaking about standards earlier. Is there a standard way to do contact tracing or is it kind of done a little differently for every, you know, I know different states have been, been rolling out through their versions of it. Um, you know, does that vary from, from, you know, state to state or, or, you know, area to area? Yeah, you're probably out of my uh, area of expertise, but from what I can tell, it varies quite a bit. And again, where we are in the process, that's probably good because it's going to be ultimately competing solutions that come up with the best solution. Yeah. And so yeah, we're just early. Um, all right. Uh, another question. How can IT help mitigate the coming cost crisis in healthcare? Uh, I don't know how we get out of the current cost crisis in healthcare without leveraging technology. You know, the whole the whole hope and dream of technology is to create efficiency and to speed things up and, you know, provide better access to data. And these are the types of things technology was made to do. So I don't know how we get out of the current crisis without technology, but it's going to require some investment uh, in technology and it's going to have to, well, no, it's going to certainly require 
more discipline on how we purchase and deploy technology. Um, having been in this healthcare field for a long time, let's probably 40 years ish, um, you know, I've seen it change quite a bit, but I've seen things that have stayed the same. And early on um, in healthcare, everyone had to invent their own solution. And early on, there were only a half a dozen places that were even messing with technology. So it made sense, kind of like we were talking around contact tracing. But, you know, then things became a little more standardized and we didn't all have to reinvent the wheel. We could start using some standard technologies, but I still think we have a um, an unfortunate habit maybe of of needing to do it our own way and um and i think that's costly part of that's vendors and and the way that they're building technologies and deploying them and i'm not blaming them i'm just saying part of the issue is, is the environment that we're in but we're going to have to get to standard platforms i i really do just like the emrs i mean right now there's two major emrs maybe three that that um dominate the industry and so you know you're not we're now getting to some standard platforms that people can work on and that talent can be built in and that talent can shift around between organizations but it's there and we're not having to rebuild talent you know interfaces don't have to re be rebuilt all the time because a lot of those interfaces now exist and, and can be used to integrate between organizations and share their data so as we get to more platforms um, outside of just the EMR. Labs are fairly standard as well, but there's a lot of areas that, that are less standard. Um, you know, look at digital health and what we're trying to do around digital health. We already talked around uh, telehealth. And I, I just think if we're gonna do this efficiently, we've got to get to some standards pretty darn quickly, or we're just gonna, we're gonna be really expensive in trying to dig out of this hole because they have to have IT to dig out of the hole. And what we need to do it is in an efficient way. And when do you see sort of the the timeline for this to happen? Is it next couple of years or um, to, to get to standards? Yeah, and then to uh, just sort of you know to kind of do the things that you were saying to to kind of help deal with the with the cost crisis that's coming. You know, do you see that kind of obviously? I guess the sooner the better. We we do these things, but you know, what what kind of a a range of a time range are we looking at? Well, I think it's going to start right now. So, you know, my previous employer, um, let's just talk, just call, let's just talk about customer relationship management or CRMs. Um, I won't, I don't have an exact number, so don't take it as an exact number, but I'll bet there were at least a dozen customer relationship management solutions within our organization. And they varied by the discipline, right? Whether it was the insurance company or the, the nurses or the uh, lab or you know the outreach all these different things and and that's because as an organization we were going to the best fit for that particular area versus what could we get that would work across all the areas and not have to have all these redundant technologies and what i think is going to happen very quickly because we have to cut the costs to be viable moving forward um, they're gonna they're gonna look at that portfolio and say, now we can't continue to do that. We need to get to one, or maybe two. But I mean, we need to get to a standard. Um, and there's there's dozens of areas in current healthcare organizations 
where that's going to be happening and that's going to happen right away. Some of them we don't have yet the proven platforms, right? So um, digital health, so you know, handheld inter interaction with your medical record, interaction with your billing, interaction with your you know physicians, all kind of built into this app that would reside on a phone. There's only a few large organizations in health provider healthcare, particularly that have even ventured down that road. So it's going to take longer to get to a standard because I don't, you know, there isn't one. There isn't something you can go out and buy and, and provide all those solutions. So that's going to take a little bit longer. But I think right now, if organizations aren't focused on getting getting rid of the waste, getting to platforms that serve the organization more broadly, um, they're going to find themselves in, you know, with cost issues. Hmm. Um how big of a problem is the lack of connectivity in healthcare? Well, I think it's a big issue, and I think it's a safety issue, and I think it's a cost issue. Um, the uh, so my when I speak, you know, to larger groups that maybe aren't specific on a technology or something, I, I almost always talk about standards. And I'm talking about data standards and interoperability. And when I talk about that, kind of the, the holy grail of that process from my perspective, not being a clinician, but my perspective is we need to get to the point where we can integrate these and, and, and interoperate these systems so that we can share knowledge. And I, I use an example of, you know, what if there's a doctor in India He's come up with the, this amazing solution for um, colon cancer, uh, just, just whatever the, the thing might be. And, you know, it's protocol, it includes drugs, it includes treatments, all these different things. That is knowledge, right, that helps that clinician in India do a better job than anyone else in the world to provide care for people with colon cancer. How important would it be for you to have that exact knowledge if you're son or daughter had colon cancer, you know, in Boston. It would be wonderful. Yeah. But right now we can't share that knowledge. And a lot of that's because we can't share data. We can't share um, mostly data that will allow that knowledge to flow between areas around the world. So to me, the panacea, the, the holy grail is to be able to share knowledge. To do that, we've got to be able to interoperate these systems and particularly interoperate that data. And so how do we do that? Standards. And it's going to take, uh, this becomes a little controversial, but you know, I've pretty much been controversial my whole career. Um, it's going to take the federal government playing a real key role in assuring that we get to the right levels of standards that would allow this to happen. In the interim, you're going to have people like LK, there's my plug, but, you know, <laughs> do facilitate that integration, but it won't solve the problem, the end problem, until we can get to a much higher level of standards across our country and around the world. I mean, so obviously there's, you know, challenges just to, to bring those, you know, it, on the one hand, you've got the government, you have to have the government willing to sort of lead that. Um, is are sort of the various uh, stakeholders in healthcare ready for standards, or is it still kind of disagreements on what they should be? Um, 
that's why the federal government's going to have to play because there still is disagreements and there's just too many um, interest groups involved. And if you're a, a vendor of a piece of technology, it would be really hard for you to accept a group of standards that isn't yours, right? Now you're going to have to redo your system. And some of these systems are pretty complex. And so what we need that way is are the benefits and the expense associated with getting to those standards worth it for the health and the well-being of our country? I believe it is. And I believe the federal government took a key role in that. We could knock this out in a matter of a few years. Um, but the way we're going and the way politics works, you know, to me, it, it it's not going to be a short time, short term fix. And we're going to have to, again, leverage some of the existing capabilities that are, you know, in the industry to, to at least solve some level of the problem. Yeah. Can it be done without the federal government fully on board? Sure. But I don't think it will. Yeah. I mean, anything can. Right. But uh, I just our history of 35 years of working toward getting to standards is still left us short and wanting. Um, and and obviously, you know, the, the government, too, does it depend on sort of, you know, the the administration, the regime that's in there and what that what they're kind of because what they're sort of shooting for? Because obviously, uh, you know, some administrations are are more interested in kind of, you know, stripping things back, especially government in, intervention um, than others. So, like, how do you kind of, you know, get that? get that going from a federal level? Well, I continue to advocate. <laughs> I've been advocating for 10 years at least, and we'll continue to advocate. It, I was on the Health Information Technology Policy Committee for seven years, and that was you know, when Obama came in, did the stimulus package, and we decided we wanted to get EMRs everywhere. He created that committee and the Standards Committee that was its sister committee. And so, you know, we we actually defined what was meaningful use. And it was interesting in that process of defining meaningful use. Um, we really didn't push hard on the concept of standards. That would have been the time to do it. Um, if we really wanted to get out of the gate and, and have an end game that solved more of the problems that healthcare was was experiencing. But it was a stimulus package. And the stimulus package required that we get technology out quickly and required that organizations did it quickly. And so we didn't take the time to do the hard work, the hard lifting that would have gotten us to a better place today. So now we're going to have to do it, you know, retroactively. But the interesting part is, like I said, we hardly use the word standard. By the time I left, standards, interoperability was a, was a catchphrase, a key phrase. You had people like Karen DeSalvo that were really pushing that and understood it and moved it forward. And Don Rucker today, who's the national coordinator, he really gets it. And so I'm optimistic that the momentum is in the right direction. I don't think Congress is ever going to just sit down and go, yeah, we got to pass a bill for data standards in healthcare." Now, ultimately, do we need that? Yes. But I think it'll become more of a natural thing when they see the benefits that come from better standardization in healthcare. And we're just gonna have to keep advocating and working. Yeah, so, you know, so you're hopeful, even if it's, you know, I guess taking longer than you would have liked. Uh, I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, you sort of been in the industry for 35, 40 years. Uh, I imagine you've seen some pretty incredible changes over that period of time. Um, 
you know, just with technology alone, uh, you know, what, what, I guess, what has surprised you, you know, what would have, you know, when, when you first were starting out, you know, would you have been kind of shocked at some of the things that have happened over the, uh, over the decades? Um, maybe not shocked, but pleasantly surprised. Mm. You know, when I first got into healthcare IT, uh, you know, there was one company really doing anything on the provider side, and that was a company called First Consulting Group. And uh, that's where I got, you know, kind of cut my teeth on health IT. It was a consulting firm, you know, professional services firm. We'd build integrations between systems or help select systems or those kind of things. And and I just remember, and I've talked to people about this before, but, you know, I, I would get on an airplane to go somewhere and someone, you know, sitting next to me would lean over and say, well, what is it you do? And I said, well, I do technology and healthcare. And they'd look at me like I had a third eye. <laughs> today, well, not today, uh, pre-COVID, you get on an airplane and, you know, 80% of the seats were filled with people that do healthcare IT. <laughs> and just has shown you how pervasive it's gotten and how successful, I think, the early day CIOs, pre-Mark, because I mean, I was only in the, as a CIO the last 17 years of my career, but the, the, you know, the great work that these early pioneer CIOs and directors of IT, the great work that they did to really get their organizations to understand the potential and benefits of technology. And from that, we've just seen a huge blossoming. Um, so that, that I find incredibly satisfying uh, for those of us involved in, in the industry. The other kind of thing that I find really satisfying is the ever-changing role of the CIO now. I, 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, the CIO did everything. CIO came up with a strategic systems plan. The CIO bought the systems. The CIO integrated them. The CIO taught the organization what to do. The CIO went in and convinced the organization that they needed it. And so it was really all about the CIO. Today, the CIO is a different role. They're a partner at the table with operations. Operations understand systems. Operation pretty much knows what they want. You know, 20 years ago, Operation didn't even know what a mouse was. Today, they're telling us what's the newest handheld and how to use it in the, in the organization. And I, again, I think that's a marvelous maturation of the role of the CIO and the, and the um, position of technology within healthcare uh, organizations. So pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, and, and where do you see things going, uh, you know, in the next 20, 30 years? Um, any any thoughts on sort of how we can you know take all this great technology and and kind of you know move on to the next uh, next step of healthcare? I, I think technology it is an efficiency for healthcare organizations. It's certainly good for the patients to have data and records where it needs to be at the time it needs to be. Um, but we are still in our infancy. The EMRs we're using today have their you know their um, birth in uh, in really really old technology now they've modernized them and that's not a bad statement against cerner or epic or anyone else i think these are great companies doing really good things but i do think there's a leapfrog technology that's going to be coming i don't know what it is but that's going to change the way we use these systems and these systems are expensive and heavy and, and all the things you probably heard before um 
I, I really think we're going to see um, way more healthcare inter, 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 or interaction between patients and care happening in a fully technical environment. Uh, I talk about, and, and probably shouldn't because I don't care about brands, but I use the term Dr. Google. I, I fully believe it will not be long. It will, uh, if it's more than three years, I'll be shocked that, you know, we're going to get on our phone and we're going to tell our phone our symptoms, whether we talk to it or type it in or whatever. And the phone's going to come back with a, you know, also understanding our wearables and our medical record and come back and provide a diagnosis and send a prescription off to whatever our favorite uh, provider of drugs is not that that came across wrong pharmacy or whatever yeah not i know what you meant <laughs> yeah you got that and and i i think more and more interactions are going to happen that way which will be great um it's going to allow physicians and nurses and other clinicians to really work at the top of their uh, license versus some of the things that you know it just doesn't require that same level of intuition or skill that that they have to get done uh, not every interaction will work with Dr. Google, but a huge, a huge share of them will. And that's going to lower the costs. That's going to uh, provide better access. Hopefully it provides our clinicians with more time to deal with the patients and less time dealing with mundane. And uh, it'll be better for healthcare. But I, I think we've just scratched the surface on what technology will be doing for healthcare in 10 years. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty good. I hope it, I hope it happens. Um, Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Jay, and have a great day. All right, you too. And that wraps up episode 12 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes of the show on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.